listening to Dang Old Podcast. Hey there, Mark. How we doing today? Hey, Johnny. How are you, buddy? I'm doing fantastic, my man. Got some hard subject matter to talk about today, though. I know. We, we, we are burdened with glorious purpose. We are. I, I don't know. It's, I, I'm not a respectful person if I can't just out and out say these words. I feel like I'm cussing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If, uh, if I mm-hmm. say the words penis uh-huh you kind of understand what i'm talking about now here right i i think i do lay it on me words. again though hat penis okay one, one more time penis vagina <laughs> all righty guys welcome to dango podcast this is episode two square peg <laughs> episode two square peg this is the weekly king of the hill podcast where me mark and my good buddy johnny Sorry, we'll get better at intros. Uh, <laughs> we take two episodes of King of the Hill under the idea that we both grew up with the show and love the show, and now Johnny loves the show, and I don't love the show. And we're going to try and rewatch it and see where I fell off and he stayed on. All right, here we go. Just jumping on into it. Uh, season one, episode two, Square Peg. What do we got? All right, so episode two, Square Peg. Its original air date is January 19th, 1997. So we're still hanging out back in the 90s a little bit. We've got our cast of characters here of Hank, Peggy, and Bobby. We're also going to see some Luann, some Dale and Joseph Gribble, some Bill Dotrieve, a little bit of Cotton Hill here, and then we've got some new debuts. Uh, we've got a uh, debut of Mr. Joe Jack. We've mm-hmm. got a, a Joe Jack is one of Hank's uh, co-workers. We've got a debut of a Maddie Platter. I don't know what the hell that is, and I don't know who Gracie is either, but I'm pretty sure she's also the lady talking to Peggy about how she lets her husband crawl all over her, and she thinks about flowers. Pretty, pretty flower. Is it? Pretty yeah, it's Gracie. Yeah. I think that's Gracie, but we're going to look and see who Maddie Platter is, because apparently they have... That's Peggy. It's Peggy's weird mom, right? Isn't that Peggy's weird mom in this episode? That is true. Yeah, because Maddie this is Platter's still episode two, so like we haven't quite figured it out. Well, not we, but they haven't quite figured it out. And then later on, we'll see Peggy's mom is just an insane bitch, but. That is very, very true. Okay, Maddie Platter, that is Peggy's mom. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. So, uh, we got uh, you know some, some newer characters here. There's one specific one, but uh, I'm going to leave him to, to talk about his debut until our pros and cons list. There's one I'm leaving okay. off here. Because he okay, is, cool. hands down, one of my all-time favorite like secondary characters in this whole show. All right. So, uh, what's the synopsis for us here, Mark? So, um, we open up with substitute teacher of the Hill, 1996, Peggy Hill, being told she is going to teach the uh, sex ed class for Bobby's grade, and she'll have to teach it to Bobby. And we all know and love the Hill family by now, into the second episode, they're reserved and quiet and white and Christian, and you just don't talk about sex, especially Hank, who panics when he sees, like, Luann in a towel. Luann, will you not stand like that? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, buddy, ruined it. No, you're fine. Because as soon as you said that, I got the weird image of her walking through the kitchen in like just a t-shirt, and then Bobby's doing it too. <laughs> I'm wearing shorts, Uncle Hank. <laughs> but so, yeah, Peggy's got to teach a sex ed class. Hank is uncomfortable with it. Dale threatened the first sex ed teacher. Now he's going to threaten another, and that other one is Peggy. And you don't know who this is, but I know where you live. 
by the way, Hank, tea time's at 10.30. And, uh, yeah, it's the ups and downs, and it's funny. You really get a sense of just how bad off everybody is in the community of Arlen, Texas, when right. it comes to getting it down. Well, except for one, except for two people, and we'll get to them in a minute. But Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Peggy's got to teach a sex ed class, and that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's a pretty straightforward... Uh, there is no B plot in this. Uh, you got some some tangential characters and stuff, but really they're only ever commenting on kind of the general storyline here. So your mm-hmm. A story characters, you're really going to see a lot of Hank, Bobby, and Peggy in this uh, this episode. Yeah. And um, I don't know where do you want to? How do you want to do this? What's what's good to you for this one? Do you like this episode as a whole? Which what's your pros? What's your cons? You got a good moment? Uh, so I got some pros. I got some cons. Um, overall, I would say that. Uh, this episode, it's it's not one of my favorites as far as the first season goes. I feel like there's a lot of gems in the first season, but this is not one of them. Uh, it does okay. have its good moments, though. We'll give you a couple of my pros. Uh, I feel like this episode's a pretty good definer of Hank and Peggy as a couple. You know, it's the second episode of the series. It mm-hmm. shows that you know Hank and Peggy aren't afraid to kind of get into it and fight with each other, but they also listen to a lot to each other. You know, mm-hmm. like they're only fighting because they don't want to talk, even though they know they really should. Yeah, they still communicate. And I think that's cool. You know, it's right. not just. And But even then, too, they're not fighting so much as you think you can do it fine. And then Hank, Hank takes Bobby to the um, uh, dairy farm and then it cuts to them digging through the trash, fi- trying to find the scraps of the permission slip for the sex ed class, but they're it's doing true. it together like as a panicking unit of, we don't know what we're doing, we can't do this. Yeah, we were both wrong. They both admit to yeah. each other at that point that they're wrong. Like, oh shit, you really should have just let them figure this out on their own. Um, I also think that this episode, it, it lays a pretty clear definition about who Peggy is in the, the Hill House and what her dynamic is going to be with her career and everything else. Um, because this is where we get introduced to substitute teacher of the year, Peggy Hill. And mm-hmm. holy hell, does anybody with the smallest title in the world carry that higher than her? I will never know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... You know? <laughs> uh, it, and it's it gives you a good idea of who Peggy is as a character. She'll take the t- every little tiny inch that she can, and it's going to be like, nope, and this is why I am fantastic. You get a lot of really good incidents of that really early in the series here. But where she becomes annoying later on, I feel like in this, she she is honestly trying her damnedest to be a good teacher. Like, you see her grading that paper, and she goes back and forth of what to give this kid. You're a sub. Why is a sub grading papers in the first place? Subs don't grade papers. Like That's true. That's above and beyond I, shit right there. Even even if she's, like, a long-term sub, like, I cannot imagine she does anything for more than a week. Do you, I don't know. But that's... Here, here she really cares. She does. It's it's really important to her, and it's important to what she represents that these kids get this education, even though ultimately, like, she really is embarrassed by it and ashamed by it. Yeah, but she cares. But she cares more about the kids, which is weird now, early on. And then right. there's I don't know. We'll talk about it when we get there. But yeah, later on in the series, she there's a definite turn and switch in Peggy's character when it's a lot more egocentric and no, I have to be right. I have to be right. Sure. Yeah, or I'm one, not it, not that I have to be right. It said I am right. She just knows in her heart of hearts that she is correct about it. Doesn't matter what. Right. She's just right. That's all there is to it. it. She goes from yeah being somebody that wants to help a whole lot to turning into kind of Donald Trump. No, I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. You're Did welcome Donald Trump that. fall out of a plane? 
God, I only hope so. It would explain his brain damage. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, like, at one point, I know Peggy, she looks at Hank and she says, you know, I didn't choose this. Mm-hmm. Um, th- th- I got a call and I had to accept the call and this is my morals and all this and that. And Hank immediately just throws it back in her face. You weren't so, you know, picky and choosy when you got to go see Randy Travis. <laughs> Oh, it was good stuff. Oh, yeah. The next thing I got on here is that it's a pretty cool precursor to, to showing how much Bobby loves pop culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I don't know anybody that isn't, a, like, a, a fan of something, like, especially at this time, that would have, like, Friends dolls. He's got a Ross and a Chandler he wants to give to Joseph after he learns sex ed. And it's like, who the hell has a Ross and a Chandler doll? No. And plays with them. Because Joseph doesn't want to play with them. He wants to shoot them full of babies. <laughs> but he also chooses Ross, the largest friend. He does. Pick, I mean, he's, he's your target. <laughs> so, I don't know. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, pop culture is a very big thing for Bobby. And that's a very, yeah. like, it's a very solid attribute that, that uh, they'd established this early on. I think that's pretty awesome. Pretty smart writing. Absolutely. I do wish I could see a side, like, just tangential cutaway scene of Hank and Peggy standing in the Megalomart. Which one does he want? He likes Chandler. Oh. <laughs> Why not this Rachel? Yeah, pretty much. Do we get him the central perk set, action set? <laughs> Hank, it's a coffee shop, honey. There you go. <laughs> but, I, mean, I thought that was pretty cool, though. Yeah. Um, there's, there's other stuff here that, uh, like, it, it is early on in the series. It's only the second episode. But I think the writers, they paid a lot of attention to some of these early episodes, and they adopted a lot of the, uh, these ideas to kind of bring these characters and fully flesh them out. Uh, for example, Bill is showing his first interest in Peggy in this episode. Mm-hmm. He's making a bunch of comments to Hank that were very inappropriate, all about how, well, maybe she's going to show you something new in the bedroom now that she's going to be the sex ed teacher. But what does he think she's going to teach these kids? Like, she's not going to throw on a Gianna Michaels DVD and be like, all right, this is how you make a penis explode. Like That's very true. So uh, at the initial, so in the initial part of the episode, I meant to bring this up earlier. Um, yeah. I have a question for you, Mark. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, when they initially rip up the, uh, the form and Peggy's going to go and try and explain to Bobby what the facts of life are in his room, she walks in mm-hmm. and he is very clearly watching Barney the Dinosaur. Uh-huh. Bobby Hill is if they name it in this episode, he's eleven years old. What the hell yeah. is an eleven year old doing watching Barney? I, yeah. <laughs> to me it just seems a little inconsistent. Maybe it's me, trying to like be overly heavy handed. Like, how do we show that be. this kid is still a child? Well he's got a Ross and Chandler doll. How else do we do it? Oh, uh, he's watching Barney. Good he's watching Barney. No, I ne- honestly I'd never thought about that before. That it is a good way to kind of show, yeah, I mean, he is 11. He probably shouldn't be learning about sex right now if he's watching Barney. I Did you, so not to totally ta- t- uh, tangent off here, but did you, you got sex ed in school, right? Do you remember, remember what year you got it? Uh, I think I was in the fifth grade. I know it was before I went into middle school. Yeah, I got my first one in fourth grade. And shit, that was fourth grade. Like, that's 11, I think. 11, it's, 12, it's 10 or 11, yeah. Old enough, like, you can't do anything yet, but you can figure out all the horrible things. I don't know. I, it's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, you and I are fortunate enough that uh, we're both guys. Puberty happens for us a little bit later. 
but at 10 or 11, that's when some girls can, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get their, uh, they got to go up 8A, yeah. Aisle 8A, yeah. The, the loveliness of women and those pretty flowers. It's, when, it's a special time in a young woman's life when she learns about megalosorbency. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I didn't want to totally uh, skip it, but then, like, I feel like I also did it in ninth grade, and then, sure. I don't know. I feel like uh, I, I got I it a to... lot, and maybe it's because I jumped schools a lot when I was a kid, but... No, I, I, you know, I was in the same school district all my entire life, and I took it oh. in fifth grade, I definitely took it again in seventh grade, and I had to do it twice in high school. So, uh, for some reason, Jeez, they, they right. seem to really want to show you a bunch of pictures of deceased genitalia in the public school system. Because abstinence only works. It's true. Think about the pretty, pretty flowers. <laughs> just think, yeah, just think of those pretty, pretty flowers. <laughs> I got All a right. weird note. Oh, go for it. And I have talked to you about this before, and listeners, you're going to get a whole lot of this because I am personally insane. I really think that Bill's dad is either a pedophile and or a serial killer and or both. He no longer lives in the Dotri, uh, what do you call it, manor in Louisiana. Yeah, Chateau Dotri. Exactly. And then Bill in this episode talks about like, oh, he put me in the pretty, pretty dresses. It's weird. And like, especially not to get too weird with it, but you look at a lot of serial killers like Charles Manson, or not Charles Manson, whatever. He didn't kill anybody, but Charles Manson got dressed up as a little girl all the time. Oh, that one gross dude, the drifter killer, whose name escapes me. He was dressed up as a little girl all the time. John Wayne Gacy's mom or dad dressed him up as like a little girl. Cause he said, you're just a girl. You're going to dress like one. Right. I, I, I don't know. It's this weird, like, is Bill a serial killer, but he never got his weird I killed somebody moment? Or do you know what I mean? Like, he never had the potential for it? It's, I like, mean, it's There it's before the grace of God goes Bill against Papa Dotrieve's best efforts? Because if nothing else, dude, I bet Papa Dotrieve molested Bill. And I, we will have evidence for this later on down the line, but we really get it right here in this first episode. Anyway, yeah. skipping. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so... When it's uh, it's pretty apparent that Peggy is still going to teach the class, even though Hank doesn't want her to, and Dale's giving her death threats and all this other stuff, uh, the rest of the kids at school find out about it, and you get to meet one of my personal favorite characters in the whole show, one Stuart Dooley by name. Oh, Mark, how, how much do you love Stuart Dooley? He's fine. I never, I, I know, okay, I knew, I always knew what a little bastard he is. But just watching this right now, this episode is so good as a snapshot of the horrible cruelty of children. Yes. Like, Dooley tells Bobby that Peggy's going to show the class her boobs. Great. We're going to get to see her boobs. And then he looks and then Peggy, or, and then, uh, wow, Peggy. Then Bobby gets up and does whatever at this second softball game, too. I like that Bobby's still trying to be pushed off as an athlete. Yes. Like, but it's 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 like softball. It's not even real like anything. But whatever, it's fine. I guess it is baseball. But so they're still trying to make Bobby an athlete. Bobby goes up because it's his turn or whatever, and then he looks at the kid next to him. Your parents got a divorce. And she's oh, like, yeah. God, Dooley, you're a little shithead. Like, what's your deal, dude? But then when Bobby hits the, it could be a home run, probably not because it's Bobby. But when he hits it. And Peggy goes, don't stop, go all the way. And some kid yells, yeah, go all the way, you perv. Why? 
Why would you say that? I mean, and I get it because his mom is teaching the sex ed class and because his mom is doing a thing that he be bound by the laws of elementary, middle, high school. He too has to suffer her like trials, but it's just such a good, like, remember that, like how awful kids are. And this episode really hit that for me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Kids could just be cruel for absolutely no reason. Uh, I can very much recall, you know, I'm, I'm about 31 years old. I'll be 32 this year. And Mm -hmm. one of the big teenage heartthrobs when I was a kid growing up was Jonathan Taylor Thomas. My name is Jonathan. And you have to imagine how many times I just had kids randomly come up to me and ask me if I liked being an actor on TV because my name was Jonathan. It's like, it makes absolutely no sense. No sense whatsoever. And yet they saw that it pissed me off and they continued to ask. <laughs> yeah, kids just they get cruel about the weirdest, stupidest shit sometimes. <laughs> and I'm not laughing at your sadness. I just, I, I get it. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a kid that's thing to do, and, we, and we've all done it too. Like, I'm, I'm not gonna sit here and say I didn't do the same type of shit to someone, but yeah, yeah like it's just that's that's just a thing for kids, I guess. How about some cons? Do you have cons for this one, or do you have pros? I do do you got a pro? Do you have? Because this is a good episode. I like this episode, but you don't like it so much. So give me your cons, I guess. Yeah. Because I, I don't want to have anything bad to say about this one. Uh, part of it is just that uh, I'm I'm nitpicking when it comes to inconsistency, and this okay. show doesn't follow as much as you know other shows that I watch like Futurama or The Simpsons, like Early Simpsons, things like that. And so it, it makes me kind of sad, and I, I I feel like I'm being almost overly anal when it comes to some of this. But uh, it's for example. They start talking, and uh, Peggy is talking with the rest of her girlfriends about the loveliness of woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're all talking, and at one point she says, you know, I never even kissed a boy until I was 20 years old. Well, you find out, yeah. like, I think the very next season or two seasons from now, her and Hank are high school sweethearts. Yes. Do you think <laughs> so, her and Hank kiss, though? I mean, really? I, I do. I really do. And I I'm being, and never mind the say. fact that she had relations with, um, oh, what was his name? Wayne Trotter. Wayne Trotter, yep. Yeah. But then do you think that... So do you think she lied about the 22 part? Not to get too weird with it. You think she lied about the 22 part and then... um, But she wasn't lying about the... He's dead now because he killed himself because Wayne Trotter was a gay guy in Texas in the 19... What would that be? 70s? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Just... Yeah. But I also look back because in a couple episodes here, we're going to see the Hills try and quit smoking. And they have mm-hmm. some very cool, vivid flashbacks of the two of them as kids uh, in the middle of a, right. of, a, of a football field. Now, they're also in Texas. People love their football fields in Texas. and It's somehow not weird for a 35-year-old guy to go back to his high school and just hang out at the football field. But that's Texas. That's why I'm so proud to be from Colorado. I haven't stepped foot. I don't think I've been to my hometown in like 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> my mom didn't live in mine. I probably wouldn't either. <laughs> Uh, so, and then there's, there's some cutaway jokes here. This is another con of mine. There's some cutaway jokes that I found, you know, they took, they don't get time to breathe. And I don't know if it's, uh, this could honestly just be Fox censors getting pissed off. Um, Mark, did you, uh, up until this episode, now I've watched this episode many times. I've watched the whole series mm-hmm. about 10 times now. Yeah. And have you ever noticed when Peggy goes to teach her class as she walks out of her car, she has to turn off a vibrator in her bag? Yeah. What the hell was that? It took me until this viewing, just today, to look and go, I, how have I never realized that she's got a vibrator in her bag? What is she going to do with that in a middle school sex ed class? 
literally, you're taking my experience out of my head because that happened to me today. So I was like, is that a damn vibrator? Yes. Yes. So also, it, there are now 18 stages of arousal, Aunt Peggy. There are now 18 stages. Yes. Oh my God, is that C. Everett Coop? Uh, no, so I, to me, and like I said, it, it may not be any fault of theirs. It may have been the Fox censors who are pretty notorious for, you know, throwing a kibosh on shit unless you're the Simpsons and write it into your contract that they can't. Right. But we but did. I wonder uh, how much they got away with with the idea of like, no, 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 this is Hank Hill. He's a very upright and tight laced Republican. This is it's so crucial to the plot that Peggy's got to have this vibrator in her bag. Sure. Now the real question Maybe. here is: it hers or did she get it from someone else? She totally borrowed it from Nancy or Luann. I'm calling it right now. Oh, God. I really hope Nancy and not Luann. That would be weird. Or... No, never mind. That'd be too weird, because why would Bill still have Lenore's? Never mind. Uh, from what we know about Bill and what we're going to learn next episode, it's not that weird. I mean, the man Terrible. keeps her socks and wants to make sure he gets re- they get returned. Yeah, but he got him into the divorce, so it's all right. <laughs> she gets blisters every time she plays now. <laughs> Uh, so I, I gotta say, probably my, my biggest con for this, it's purely, it's like the writer in me, the, the person who's watched an insane amount of TV, the person who's mm-hmm. watched all sorts of shit over and over and over again, and anal- way overanalyzes things. This is a story that, to me, that feels like it should have only taken 10 minutes. And so it yeah. feels very stretched out to me. It, it feels like they just, they had to stretch out this one idea into a full 20 minutes, and I don't know, it, it like at times it just feels kind of like they're grasping for things. Like, they keep going mm-hmm. back to things. I don't know. To me, it just seems like it's the, it's a little heavy-handed with some. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that. It, it does seem heavy-handed, and it's weird, too, though, because, like, you know this debate still happens literally li- literally today, what, 25 years later, of, my yeah. boy's not learning this. Well, are you going to teach him, you know? Absolutely. When, especially in Texas, they have such bizarre laws that, I mean, hell, some of them are even enacted this year all about who can and can't have birth control and who can and can't have abortions. Like, this is an argument that's going on in Texas and has been for a very long time. Yeah. So, again, this episode just holds up too well. It, it, it holds up surprisingly well. All right, what's your favorite moment, Mark? I, I You already know what it is. It's happiness. Vagina! That's the best. <laughs> Because Hank makes a big deal later on in the series. You almost made me spit out my beer. And in this one, he spits out his beer. Oh, he wouldn't even spit that out to stop a grass fire. <laughs> uh, I gotta say, my favorite one is definitely how we opened the show today. You don't know who I am, <laughs> but I know who you are. And I know where you live, sexy teacher. <laughs> hey. Why is Hank afraid of Washington, Johnny? Do you notice that? Washington? And, get out but he's so, like, pro-government and pro-America, and that's where it hangs up on me, too. Because I almost feel like they're trying to get that weird Texas independent spirit of, we don't need no United States of America, we're Texas. Right. It's, Absolutely. And it's a reoccurring theme, but at the same time, like, this man loves George Bush, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Until he shakes his hand, but... Yes. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's weird it seems... to me. Like, and it starts it, but but again, this is one of those weird episodes where it starts this stuff. It starts Bill's dad being a creep. It starts Hank being not afraid, but just he doesn't care for Washington. Right. I don't know. 
And I guess, yeah, it's also the second episode, so don't read too much into it, but yeah. Absolutely. How about you? What's your favorite? What's your favorite moment? It's, it's, I definitely said it's, you don't know who I am. Okay, that, it's, but that's it's, it. It's that's just, your that's your overall yeah. That's yeah. it's got to be. I mean, I it, all you listeners out there, you're gonna find out really quickly that Dale centric episodes are the best episodes of this entire series because, well, as grounded as everybody else is, Dale brings the lunacy into the funniest like realms of the imagination in this show. They let him run yeah. to such weird, weird places. And they totally make it believable. <laughs> but it is too, like you, especially in the '90s. You you forget this too, uh, when Peggy says like, "Oh yeah, some lunatic called her," and it's well, yeah. no shit. Look on look on your caller ID. Well, this is 1996. They didn't have caller ID. Maybe yeah, they it's did. Just but some not. random right wing nut job. Yeah, like I feel like Star Six Nine got big this year, kind of. You know, but. You oh, had to sure. pay a fee and dial a number to find out who just called you. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Well, before we go to our rating, there was one more thing I know that I wanted to touch on because we kind of talked a little bit about it last episode, and I almost forgot to bring it up with this one. Uh, oh, yeah. Bill is kind of an asshole this episode. That, that's what I was saying. He's kind of just kind of shitty to Hank, right? He, like He is. He's, he's definitely way smarter than he should be. Like, early Bill is very – I mean – He's got a lot of insight, and I'm not used to seeing that. So that was kind of jarring for me watching rewatching this episode. I, I mean, season yeah. even season two, Bill is not going to know what Sigmund Freud like what he studied, let alone right. be able to be smart enough to make a joke at Hank. That's a very good point. He he, he didn't even finish high school, right? Because he just uh, went I, straight into the army, or did he graduate? No, I think he graduated, but yeah, he went straight into the army, just straight like, away. Got, yeah. Got Harvard. Yeah, so I don't dropped, know. <laughs> dropped right into Operation Walrus, Mark. <laughs> oh, I'm excited for that episode. Oh, heck yeah. Alrighty, so uh, our rating scale here, on a scale of charcoal yeah. to the blue flame of valor, what do you got for me, Mark? What do you want to give Square Peg today? Oh, I'm going to give Square Peg a butane. I'm going to give Square Peg a... a it's fine. It's an alright episode, like you're saying, though. It should, be, it should be a 10 minute thing. It almost seems like this was a B-plot that somebody drug out. It's, that's what it felt like to me as well. But I'm glad that this was the B plot that got changed into the A plot. Because yeah. what if it would have been something dumb like we had to meet the like Strickland family? You know what I mean? Like, what if that's what this was? Oh, Peggy, my boss is coming to dinner. Get your sex books off the table. Oh, like, you know, it would have been forced and contrived. Whereas, like, I really think it's almost uh, it's a Peggy centered episode because this is on her. Hank has to deal with the weird, you know, ancillary blowback, but. Not really. This it, is a lot he's of, get, yeah. He's getting shit from his neighbors. Who the hell cares? Like, they've been friends for 20-something years. This is not going to end their friendship. They're not going to think anything less of them. You know, it's, I don't know. There's no sure. stakes for Hank, but there's a ton for Peggy. And I think Peggy in this episode is a person, is a teacher. She performs. She no does. gross pun intended. How about you, buddy? Uh, so, I gave it a mega low rating. You know, I, I saw it kind okay. of as a, it's a decent character building episode. It just felt a little stretched out good enough yeah yeah you know and we right. get to see a lot of peggy we get to meet a lot of, of who that character is going to be here on out and, you know god willing we'll get to see a normal peggy for at least a couple of seasons until she completely goes off the rails no spoilers <laughs> no spoilers sorry guys you haven't watched this 20 year old tv show <laughs> i really hope there's some like gen Zoomer, whatever the hell they call themselves now, listens like, what the hell is King of the Hill? Yep, gotta, go, gotta watch this now. 
oh god, this is terrible. How did I let this get made? All right, so moving swiftly on from Square Peg, let's go to what I think might be it's a classic. It's a classic and for sure. This one is weird to me because for some reason my chronology of King of the Hill gets messed up. I think this one happens like seasons later. You know what I mean? Like sure. when I when I saw it on the on the queue, I was like, oh, it's this one. Okay, cool. So let's talk about, uh, I don't even know what this episode's called. The Order of the Straight Arrow, yeah? Order of the Straight Arrow. Can I really quick take a tangent on this before we even get into it? Absolutely. You have to forgive me because I cannot think of the actor's name. The guy that plays John Redcorn. Yes. I think it is really, really cool that they got a native actor to do it. And yes. Even with, I love Khan Supanusenpone, and granted at the time there was nothing wrong with a white guy playing an Asian man. But uh, there's something about John Redcorn being played by a Native American actor that is super cool to me. I just, I, I just wanted to like take a quick side tangent for that. That's, it's a weirdly appropriate, and I don't want to say like, what do you call that? Culturally sensitive moment, especially sure. for 1990s television. You know, it's way more woke than than Mike Judge has any business being, especially considering the guy's like history with all this other stuff. You know, he's the guy who did Beavis and Butthead. Why would he give a shit if there's an actual native guy that does this voice? Because I think Mike Judge is a good dude more than anything. I, I think so. I think this shows a lot about his character. Yeah, and I cannot think of the actor's name because I was going to say Ken Hitate, and that is not it at all. <laughs> that is not it. I'm not That's sure That's his, his character name, from Parks and Rec, but if you <laughs> watch Parks guy, and Rec, it's it's the Wampapoke Chief. Is it is, character. and when that is the, the same character. Yeah. I'm looking him up right now. Oh, I hear you doing it, too. Uh, Victor Aaron. No, it's not Victor Aaron. No, it's not. It's he, not Norm Hiscock. That's the producer. But he's also so the producer he, on Parks and Rec. Let's see here. No, Victor Aaron was his voice. From 1996 oh. to 1997. He was oh, then replaced well, by Jonathan Joss. That is the John Redcorn we know. me. Take back everything I just said. Also, first swear of dang old podcast ever. Uh, yeah, I guess never mind. I thought this was uh, I, yeah, I thought this was him. Can't even tell the difference. I'll be dead. Uh, so, Mark, you don't you don't have to even like you're all good. Victor Aaron is in fact an American Indian actor. Oh, so they cool. both were. All right, good to know. Uh oh, wow. Okay, so oh. since we're going off on a tangent, now, and I looked this up, did not know that yeah, this please. is why the voice changed. Uh, he was an American actor, American Indian actor who provided the voice for John Redcorn during the first season. He died in an automobile accident a week before his fortieth birthday. Oh, damn. So there was an episode that was dedicated to him, and then Jonathan Joss picked up the role afterwards. Cool. Well, all right, then. Yeah, good to know. Once again, that is that is still very culturally sensitive of Mike Judge. Well, we're, we're going to give him some props for that. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, so our cast of characters for this episode, we've got Hank, Peggy, Bobby. They're going to show up in a lot of them, I bet. God, I hope so. <laughs> we've got Luann. We've got Dale and Joseph Gribble. Mr. Boomhauer, I almost said his name, and I realize we're not saying his name yet. Uh, we've got Cotton Hill, a very fun reminiscence of Cotton Hill. We've got some more Joe Jack here. We've got a cameo by a guy named Brock. Not sure who he is. I don't know who Brock is. I'll look that up. He was the weird fourth up. kid, right? He was no, no, no that was Eustace. Mind, sorry. Yeah, no, I was thinking, isn't that Eustace? But it's not. It's Eustace. It's, yeah. Useless. Yeah, Garth is the weird one. Just the like, hey, does Boomhauer have a kid? No. Does Bill have a kid? No. We'll make a blonde one and then put the nerdy one in and then we just don't need a fifth one. But whatever. It's fine. 
right, we're just going to go straight to the wiki page here. Yeah. Uh, Brock. Who are you, Brock? Oh, Brock is the owner of Lubbock's Very Big Shoes. Oh yeah, okay yeah, the gross that dude rock. with the with the mock with the mock alligator. Yeah, okay. Yes. Uh, yeah. So we've got Randy Miller, mm-hmm. which uh, I definitely that's 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 got to be wrong. No, Randy is correct. No, this is so I, I actually I get to write the guys at the King of the Hill wiki and tell them they're missing something. So Randy Miller is one of the kids that's with uh, Joseph and Bobby and Garth. Yes. Now, That's Eustace's son, right? It is. It's Eustace Miller's son. Now, if you go to the wiki page, there is no entry for Eustace Miller in this episode. He definitely has speaking lines. He's a big part of it. Like, they he make fun a, of him yes. because he didn't make Straight Arrow. Yeah, like, it's ruined his life that the this weird parallel import of the Boy Scouts didn't take him. Exactly. So I just thought it was kind of funny that I got to one-up the, the wiki guys here. That's That's the kind of nerd I am. Hey, uh, no, already got... dangle podcast on these streets, on the ground, boots on the ground, getting her done. We're getting Get after fixed, it, buddy. I'm yeah. proud of you. <laughs> uh, so we've also got a uh, uh, park ranger and she's just credited as hippie woman. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So our synopsis here for order of the straight arrow, Hank takes Bobby and his order of the straight arrow troop to the woods to earn their straight arrow merit badge. During a hazing ritual, Bobby kills an endangered whooping crane. And Hank must cover it up before the park rangers find out. So, uh, this is a—it's a pretty fantastic story. Now, this is also our first B story. We get our first B story with a King of the Hill episode, and that's Peggy. But mm-hmm. we're mostly going to be focusing on Hank, Bobby, Bill, Dale, Boomhauer, and Joseph, and then a couple of the other unnameables. Yes. So, I want to point out some inconsistencies right off the bat here. Okay. So, throughout the episode, and, and you, you've watched this quite a few times here, and it becomes a much bigger character in about, I want to say the fourth or fifth season, but the first thing you notice in their flashback is Dale's dad is not Dale's dad. It is, too. I, I even have that in my notes. It is definitely Bug Gribble. It is Bug Gribble. Yeah, that's Dale's okay. dad. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's what I'm, so no, my note is, Bug Gribble is terrifying, so gay, so closeted, so angry in 1966 Texas. Poor bastard. <laughs> okay, I will go with this. Because he's got to hang out, and this is my theory. Like, because B- Dale has no idea that Bug is gay. And we don't find that out later, way later on down the line with the rodeo episode. Right. But, uh, no, it... I it, I don't know. I really believe that this is. And I think that he just kind of got shoehorned into it because he probably knew Cotton or Bill's dad. Sure. Or But then, like, Boomhauer's dad is real weird to me because I always thought that Boomhauer was... I don't know. That, that one's weird to me because I thought Bill, Boomhauer's dad had died or something weird. But maybe so I'm did I. They've never explained why he's such a womanizer and you also never hear him talk about his dad. You hear him talk about yeah. his grandma a whole bunch and his mom. Never his dad. Yeah, which would lead me to believe that his dad probably did die at a very young age for Boomhauer. Sure. But but anyway. I could also be wrong. Maybe it's not Bug. I don't know. But that's my theory is that it is Bug. But, like, it's 1960s in Texas. You cannot be a gay guy. It's just not a thing that you can do. Like That's very true. That could be why the character model looks so off, because he's got to really butch it up. Yeah, like, he's just angry and hateful, and he's probably... 
Also, I'm just going to call it, he's probably just shithouse drunk all the time because he cannot stand to be around Cotton and insert Bill's dad's name and insert Boomhauer's dad's name. Sure. But that's that's just my kind of working theory. And then, you know, he kind of gets, he kind of comes to terms with himself and everything works out for him in the end, but... Absolutely. That's me, though. Maybe you're right, though, that it is just like, they didn't realize, that they hadn't thought of the idea that no, Dale's dad, they didn't think of, you know, whoa, Dale's dead bug. Dale's dad bug. Yeah. Oh, my head blew up. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. No, but anyway, I've got a bunch of stuff Sorry. for the B plot too, but we'll wait. Uh, we'll finish up the A plot storyline here and, and kind of where our pros and cons are for that before I really get yeah. into it. I found that, uh, you know, this was a very good growth episode for Bobby and Hank. You know, mm-hmm. they you really, it's the first time you get to kind of see the two of them one-on-one, uh, we get to really see how Bobby admires Hank. doesn't want him to be his enemy. And I think it's really, really sweet. He holds that, even though Hank, like, God, what is his catchphrase almost the whole series is that boy ain't right. Bobby is constantly just, like, getting on his nerves, embarrassing him and everything else. And Bobby never once has ever really been ashamed of his dad. Yeah. I think it's really cool. And it sets, it sets the tone for that in this episode. I mean, he's yelling at Joseph, my dad wouldn't he wouldn't lie to me. Well, he would never do that. Yeah. Even when he's like, look over there and to Wima Tanya and they're drinking beer as the sun sets. And yeah. Bobby just wants to believe so hard that no, they're doing a sacred thing and it's all good. And Joseph is treating him mean because Joseph is still a little dick all the time. He really, Joseph never really isn't a dick. Let's be honest here. Yeah. That's a, that's but, a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just thought it was a really cool, like, sign of unconditional love from Bobby. And it carries through all the way to the end of that storyline, you know. Mm-hmm. He, he splashes Hank in the face, and Hank is a little bit nicer about him, and all this other stuff. I thought it was really, really sweet. I can heal you, Dad. Um, <laughs> so we start to get a really good look at Dale, Bill, and Boomhauer in this, in this uh, episode here. That's why this one hangs me up because they're so well established at this point. Yes, and, and it's and yeah. they're very much you could drop this in in almost any other season, and it's not going to look weird at least from their character like standpoint. Because you're right, they're very much established, or they're going along as if you know they're established already. Um, you get Bill and his his fat ass tendencies, where he's just constantly tricking the kids to get their slim gems, which always <laughs> cracks me up. Um, You've got Dale as the conspiracy theorist having to jump around while being gagged in his underwear. Also very much on point for Dale. Such a Dale, like, this is such a weirdly, before we even knew what Dale was going to be, they already knew, they already nailed it. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yes. yes. Um, and then, uh, it, I don't know if you picked up on this, but I was kind of eagle-eyed today when I was rewatching this episode here. Uh, Umhauer had his first lady collar in this episode. Mm-hmm. If you notice when the park ranger goes and wakes him up and says, hey, I'm tracking this whooping crane, you can see her sneaking out of the tent. I bet it was the hippie girl. It may have been. I didn't look Or he just, like, closely. picked him up at the commune. Or not the commune, <laughs> like the gathering or something. Right. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's kind of like a, a lot of my pros I have for the A story here. Um, what do you got, man? Oh, so, so many pros. I love this. Uh, we talked about in the first, or so in the, or try this again. We talked about with the first episode, I was making fun of like some of the background things 
uh, like the guy mowing the lawn where the other guy was setting the table. This one, there's so much stuff in the background happening that I don't know if anybody catches it because I kind of forgot that it happened. Number one, Bobby and Joseph trying to drill Joust. And then, <laughs> oh like, he gets stuck yes. in the canoe. But <laughs> that one's great. And then he just um, slinks off. He just slinks off yeah. in the background. Like, oh, you didn't see anything. <laughs> so good. Um, uh, this this episode might have my favorite Bill line ever spoken. I'm so depressed I can't even blink. Can't even blink. That's, <laughs> that goes along with, like, just being such a Bill thing. So early yeah. in the series. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, it, it's good. I love it all the way around. I love the snipe hunt angle. I love that it's supposed to be a rite of passage and everything. And then even like, it's the weird belief. It, it's weird to me how like Bobby is always Bobby, even when he has to kind of mature and grow up a little bit. He always has that childlike faith. It was what you were talking about with like he always believes in Hank. And it's right. the weird faith that only like a child can have. Like, no, my dad said this was real, so it is real. And he just believes so damn much. But then at the same time, like, Bobby is so dumb. He's, like, holding the crane out the window. I give you flight, brother birds. <laughs> you doing, dude? Like, also, why would you have the damn dead bird in the cab of the car with you? But, hey, whatever. <laughs> also, also, not true. trying to beleaguer the point. Why would you not take Hake's pickup that has an extended? No, because it's not extended cab yet. That's why. Never mind. Moving on. But, um, well, they also, they're not in Hank's truck. I know, but that's my point. Why does Peggy take Hank's truck? And oh, also, I've got, also, I've got also, some stuff on there. I definitely have if, some stuff on there to bring up. If Peggy's making a weird cross-Texas journey, why would she not take that car, which I'm sure gets better mileage than, a what, a 92 Ford Ranger? Like, right. Boy. Okay, so I want to venture into a subject real quick here because we kind of brought it up at the beginning of this episode. Do you find the way that Hank and Bobby and, and every, all the white dudes in this show basically mock John Redcorn? the whole show do you find that offensive oh my god so eight-year-old me when i saw this the first time didn't but then i was watching this morning I'm like god hank is a piece of shit and he is we get it there's also i i also have a hard or not a hard time but i try and maintain the like cultural context of the moment when this was released it's in 1996 right. it just we, we we were not that far away Dude, like, you still called it sitting Indian style, you know? Like, I feel like we couldn't say Indian up to, like, what, 2003 or something was, like, the last time that you could really get away with it. Right. So I... But there is a certain ignorance from it, and I feel like Hank isn't listening. He doesn't... They don't understand that what they're doing is wrong. They're just, yeah, give me this stuff. Give me Wimatanya. Give me the medicine so bag. Oh, yeah, we'll make him out of uh, Lenore's socks. It'll be fine. It's one of the few times you see Hank actually be a redneck. Yeah. He's just ignorant. He doesn't know. Like... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. When I watch Bobby do it, he's, Bobby is so genuine with it all that I don't think it's that offensive. You know, Bobby is. But I don't think Bobby's trying to be seriously. offensive. He doesn't know any better. He believes that Wee Tanya, He's even they're even saying it wrong. Like, but he believes that this is an actual like God Creator spirit. And even right. at the end of the episode, Bobby goes, "Dad, I'm a shaman." Yeah, and it's and, and it's not to he mock believes anything. it. Yeah, no, he's just he's just completely honest. Like, I'm a shaman, Dad. I brought this bird back to life. But he, it's bad from the guys. It's bad from the adults. They ought to know better. But yes. especially when like Hank is out and out like a dick about it when he's taking the notes and he, all right, all right, it's sacred art, goofy headband. It's like, okay, you're, I feel like that toes a weird line, but it's like, we have to establish an ignorance in the character. So it's fine. 
for sure. what it is, the context of the situation. Because also you have to go into this understanding that, like, no, Hank doesn't know what the hell Wima Tanya is. He doesn't believe in the Great Spirit. He's, he's a Methodist, you know? Right. Uh, he's well, a Methodist in 1999, Texas. Like, John Redcorn's probably the only Native American he's ever met. Like, That's true. And you, you get that really funny scene, too, right when he's asking John Redcorn about all of the, the way he puts it, funny Indian stuff. Uh, John yeah. Redcorn gives him a look of death. It's yes. like, come on, man. They recognize that Hank is being straight up redneck at that point. They give John Redcorn his moment to be like, God, you're such a dumbass. But then, and I'm not saying this makes it okay, but literally the fall, the, 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 the precursor to this is, we're going to go do some straight arrow stuff. I would be honored to watch after your wife, Dale. Yeah. Like, okay, well. <laughs> like, yeah. Already, John Redcorn's getting one up on him. And I, I don't know. No, for I, sure. And it doesn't it's make like, it okay. You can't excuse, like, ignorance and racism under the guise of, well, yeah, he's, you know, nailing my neighbor's wife, but hey, he's nailing neighbor's wife. Good for true. John Redcorn. Like, <laughs> Well, you got any other pros for that A-store there? We Matanye, Mr. Gribble's butt, we Matanye. Uh, <laughs> That's in my favorite moments. It just says Dale's pressed ham. Getting... Dale getting his ass beat to death by the, by the bushes is great. I love that. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> yep he's even in the background trying to pull some sticks and shit out of it later when they pull him over and give him the spirits uh, the silent sticks but then but then did you notice they just recycled that animation i did i noticed that it's it's <laughs> and it's, it's some i didn't stuff. again i didn't notice that i've seen this i've seen this i've seen this episode probably 30 times and i i'd never really caught that before oh yeah I blame anime because now thanks to anime I can always see when they're recycling animation I'm just like you my eyes are open then it's a horrible truth right it's like come on guys let's not be so lazy well I want to talk a little bit about the B story here because it's there's not much of it it establishes a very big point for a character that will continue to be a big point for the whole whole series but damn Mm -hmm. is there a lot of shit for me to nitpick through this alright so we first learn about Peggy's big feet in this episode Mm-hmm. Now, we we already kind of touched on this a little bit. Hank is taking the sedan, and he's taking everybody in the sedan to go and do the order of a straight arrow. So Peggy's mm-hmm. left with his truck. What we know, and I'm, I'm metagaming here a little bit here because I know a lot more about this series than I should at this point, is that Hank is obsessive about his truck. He logs his oil yes. records. He makes sure that everything is clean all the time. Like, this truck is his child. How in the hell does he not notice that she has basically taken it across the state and back? Hmm. That's you know, she, she, she makes a very, very big deal of, I'm going to use a fake name. I'm going to go to an ATM and burn the receipt. I, you know, I go and meet this dude like once every six months or so to get new shoes. And yet, mm-hmm. either, either Hank doesn't pay attention to it, which I can't believe, or he knows exactly what she's done and he's too much of a gentleman to say any better. Yeah, what bothers me more about it, though, is especially in the first couple seasons, Hank's truck is a piece of shit. Speaking as a guy who's owned a Ford Ranger, I get it. Every Uh, time you turn around, the damn thing breaks. I would not trust that truck to take me cross-country in Texas. That's true. It's not the way that he takes care of it. But which is weird to me, too, though, because he's supposed to be such a damn gearhead. Right. But we also see in this episode, or in the preceding episodes like his truck is always wrong or, or there's always something wrong with it but then also the battery on this car is dead how in the hell does hank hill have a dead battery on a car it's it's very out of character 
it's it's just weird. I I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into that bit, but. Uh, so uh, another fun thing that I noticed today is as uh, as Peggy's walking through uh, Lubbock's big and tall shoes for ladies, they've got mm-hmm. all these signed pictures on the wall, and one of them is signed Lucy Arnez, which is Lucille Ball. So. Yes. I think I may have gotten myself on some sort of weird government watch list today because I definitely looked up what Lucy Ball's uh, foot size was. There is a uh-huh. uh, website called CelebritySheeSizes.com in case you're ever curious. Okay. <laughs> Lucille Ball has a size 7 in women's. That is not a big foot. What in the hell is she doing in Love is Big and Tall? Hmm. Maybe Desi had a thing for big feet. Maybe Desi did. Maybe Desi had a thing for cross-dressing. Could, could be. <laughs> uh, and then the other thing that I saw, just because I thought it would be kind of fun to look. Uh, let's see. What, what was this gentleman's name here again? Uh, Brock. Brock, the guy who owns Lubbock, or the, the, the clerk at Lubbock. He asks his attendant to go and get Peggy a size 16 triple E, mm-hmm. which is the yes. widest you can get. If you look up on Amazon... For size 16 triple E women's shoes, there are nine options. That's it. We're going to check this out real quick. And none of them are attractive, and none of them are actually shoes. I have to wear nurse's shoes? Pretty much. They're all slippers. At least, so Amazon Fashion is what I went to. Oh, okay. I got Crocs, <laughs> guys' shoes. I don't know. Maybe my Amazon algorithm algorithm is different than yours. It may be. I don't know. I just thought it was something kind of entertaining to look up and, and see, you know, what really would Peggy Hill's shoes look like if she was a size 16 triple E? I don't know. I feel really bad for Peggy. Like, especially with this. And she's obviously embarrassed about this to drive across the state of Texas. Insofar as, like, she's out of radio range. Like, yeah. she picks her favorite static. So she's got to go far enough. She has to travel overnight just to get a damn pair of shoes. I'm like, that's that's really sad to me. I don't know. It, yeah. it just makes me feel bad. And even I feel like the the the, the shoe store is kind of, kind of shitty to her, too, you know? A little bit, yeah. A little patronizing, if nothing else, you know? I do find it funny that the writers took what was essentially probably a throwaway joke for a B-plot... And they turned it yeah. into something that is a signature of a character. But it's it's funny to me, too. She's just so easy about lying, which is weird to me. Yeah. She, you know, she she is, what, Gracia Ibanez. But that's how uh, Brock knows her, as Gracia. Mm-hmm. Like, She's been doing this for yeah. a while now. Yeah. I don't know. I do feel bad for Peggy. I feel bad for her throughout the run of the series for her feet, but... Sure. Know. But it is it is weird that you bring and I never thought about that how Hank is so into his truck and he just doesn't notice that she yeah took it there and back again you know. Mm-hmm. It's it, when you, like I said part of this is it's it's almost like a meta conversation because we know so much about this since the series has been over and we watched it so many times and so we kind of look for this weird little nitpicky stuff but it also adds some depth to a character because I could definitely see Hank acknowledging that and never saying anything because he knows it would embarrass her. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. He's just, Hank's a good guy, though. He's just a genuinely, he never wants to, I don't know, he doesn't want to hurt feelings unless he you're is. Eustace. And he loves, well, Can he I loves ask Peggy what the hell the Order of the Straight, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
Can I ask what the hell the straight order error of the straight order is and or does? Cause that forest ranger see or park ranger sees Dale tied up. Oh, it hasn't <laughs> changed at all. What the hell are you getting into? <laughs> I have to imagine that's a not so subtle dig at some of our pedophilia friends with the Boy Scouts of America. Gotta be. It's, and it's, it's that's gotta, pretty. Like, that's oh, I wish that wasn't as accurate today as it was twenty five years ago, and yet I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Like just that little scene, and oh, it hasn't changed. What the hell did you do? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, clearly it didn't damage that guy too, too much. Or it did. That's why he's a forest ranger because he can't stand to look at other humans. That's true. Well, Mark, we've already talked about Dale's pressed hand. You got any other fave, favorite moments? Um, Bobby bring the crane back to life. The whole everything. Him. We matanye. We matanye. I love all of that. Also, it's weird to me how easily Bobby can adopt and gravitate towards any type of magic or religion or ritual or anything. He's such a like empty glass for whatever. And because I compare this in my mind, I compare this one to um, Christian. It's not the right right episode. The one where he becomes like the born again Christian kind of sort of, but the, the kind that Hank doesn't like. Yes. Yes. It's not Christian Hard Rock. That, no, that's a South Park episode. Sorry. Um, no, the one where he needs but the no, like, crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's just, he so easily falls into like, he's so willing to believe that, yeah, all this stuff is real. Wimitanya is real. But then suddenly, not only is Wimitanya real, he took a bird and then let Bobby kill it. Then he transformed it and then brought the bird back to life. It's just, it's so weird. But Bobby just... Bobby brought a damn bird back to life in a culvert, Johnny, so I don't know what to do with that. I also, really, really quick, I looked this up today because I was curious, when they kill the crane, and I want to say Dale goes, there's only like eight of those left in America, and Bill goes, oh, we're lucky to see it. Um, Apparently, whooping cranes are one of two native cranes in North America. They can live up to 24 years, and there are about 800 of them now. So we're doing better. 800, yeah, they're... Which is still sad as hell in 2021 that there's only 800 whooping cranes, but... Yeah, you know. I'd be lucky to see one, and I probably won't knock it out unconscious because that can't be good for it. <laughs> there's no law against it, though, so it'll be fine. That's <laughs> very true. Yeah, I literally have in my favorite moments here that Dale's pressed ham and Bobby shouting Wee Matanya at the culvert for my, my two for the whole episode. So you and I are on the same wavelength for this one for sure. So if we're already here, we don't have any cons outside of, like, I'm going to say John Redcorn, they treat him kind of, they do him kind of dirty, but yeah. I'm not even going to give it a con because it's establishing of character. It's, it's fine. I, I, I'm going to give it a pass for the context of the situation and the time. And it does establish that Hank is ignorant and fine. It's what, it is what it is. This will happen again, over and over again. So at least it's nice to know that he isn't just ignorant once to make a plot point, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'd rather have dumb, not woke Hank than always woke Hank, except for one instance when he's, you know what I mean? I'd rather have it be a consistent through line because he does grow as a person, but they all do. Dale helps John Redcorn sue the government to get his tribal lands back. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's a start. It's an introduction to a character and they all grow together, you know? Absolutely. And that's, Yeah. Yeah, that's all I've got. I don't have any. I really don't have cons for this one. You wanna, you wanna rate this bad boy? I, I think we should because I don't have any other cons here other than some reused animation, which we already already addressed. 
But even then, even then, I because I, I, I have said that this one screws me up on the timeline. The animation in this one is so much cleaner than just two episodes ago. It really is. You could not have pulled off Dale's ass getting beat to death by branches two episodes ago. That's very true. Not when you're blowing all the budget on Bobby getting creamed in the eye. like. Absolutely. Yeah. Alright, well on a scale of charcoal to the blue flame of valor, what do you, what do you give it, Mark? I am going to rate this as a Wagner, Char King, Imperial. This is a great episode. It does great things with characters. It establishes themes for characters that we're going to see over and over again. We even get some new characters like Randy, who should just for all intents and purposes be a throwaway, but Randy shows up again and again and again. And yes, Randy yeah. also weirdly shows up when Bobby has to be tested to be a man. I never thought about that until this moment. Yeah. It almost seems like Randy is like a weird foil for Bobby, because Rand because Eustace loves Randy no matter what Randy does. And he's just proud of him versus... And so, like, Randy doesn't have to earn his father's love, whereas Bobby feels like he is constantly pressured to make Hank proud of him. It's and I never thought about that until literally this moment. But, how about you, buddy? Well, so when we started this, uh, I initially had it written in my notes that it was, uh, was going to be a Megalo. But I have okay. actually since grown... It's grown on me, so I think I'm also going to rate it as a Char King Imperial. Um, we, see a lot of, we see a lot of Bobby and Hank... A lot of the growth of their relationship here um mm -hmm. it's it's kind of a cool like when you stop and think about if hank and bobby have ever really ever loved each other and showed that they loved each other there's not a lot of instances but they showed one they show a couple really early on in this series and this is definitely a big one um also yeah. had a lot of really fun memorable moments and uh, for my pretty much my entire life ever since i've watched this when my dad and i we just constantly look at each other and go woo 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 <laughs> so it's definitely got a little bit of sentimentality there absolutely great episode and 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 i would go so far as to say another great episode from you and i sir i would agree yeah because we're wrapping up here yeah yeah final thoughts closing notes anything you got well mark i gotta ask do you like king of the hill still i still like king of the hill okay oh also also wait before we do that sorry i just realized Dale, or not Dale, Joseph has the line about how cool Peggy is and that she smells like mayonnaise. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we gotta, that's gotta be line of the, line of the episode for sure. <laughs> I was gonna say forget about it. Forget about it. But yes, I still like King of the Hill, and it sounds like this one kind of grew on you, so I guess you still love King of the Hill, huh? I, I still love King of the Hill, it can still surprise me. Where can we find you, Mark? You can find me at Marky Stardust on Twitter, and you can find us at Dangle Podcast, that's Dang-O as in O-L podcast, at gmail.com. Did we hit something that was important? Do you disagree? And we are not being angry enough at the racism against John Redcorn. Are whooping cranes idiots? You let us know. Have you ever knocked a bird unconscious? You can let us know. And if you can't let me know, you can let Johnny know by going to www.twitch.tv/crowdball, as in sauerkraut and speech meatballs. All right. Well, I think, I think we'll just call her good there, buddy. Y'all have a good night. See you next time in Texas, buddy. Wait, wait. We, we should we should end this prayer with we should end this we should end this episode, Johnny, with a prayer to we Matanya. So. We matanye, we matanye, we matanye, we matanye.